Well, my title today, and I think you'll recognize this. I'm going to ask if anybody can tell me who said this. Happy, happy, happy. Phil, Phil Roberts. Anybody recognize that? Happy, happy, happy. And you know, the reason why I think so many people like the Robertsons is they, they are a happy bunch. And you know, as, as we talk about, I want to talk about happiness today. Uh, a recent Harris poll said this, only one in three Americans say that they're very happy, according to a recent Harris poll. The online poll of 2,345 U.S. adults conducted last month used a series of questions to determine Americans' levels of contentment in life and uh, just overall happiness. And just 33% of Americans said that they were very happy. In other words, that means for every one American that's happy, there's two that are unhappy. And, you know, happiness, last week I, I made, I had, I just got to digress here for a moment. Last Sunday I made a statement or communicated that satisfaction trumps happiness because it endures and it's not fleeting like happiness. And I wanted to kind of revisit that, maybe qualify it a little bit. That What I meant by that is that the world's, I, I should have qualified that by saying the world's idea of happiness and, you know, the world looks in all the wrong places. You know, there used to be a song, Looking in All the Wrong Places for Love, you know. And uh, a lot of people, that's really a true statement. A lot of people look in the wrong places for love. They look in all the wrong places for happiness. And, uh, but really, happiness is, is a little bit counterintuitive. It's a little bit different than what most people uh, think is going to make them happy. And, and as I read in this article, I don't want to read the whole thing, but they said later on in the article that even with more difficult uh, times that have come, uh, they have realized many Americans, as we've gone through kind of a financial crunch and difficulty, they've realized that through their difficult times and reassessing what does and doesn't make them happy, they realized that uh, only one in four Americans really believes that financial success really makes you happy. Now, I'm certainly not against financial success. Prosperity is a biblical mandate. God wants us to be prosperous. He says, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be healthy even as your soul prospers. How many of you know God wants us to prosper? But God doesn't want us to look to money for our happiness. Can I get an amen? I mean, that's very clear. Uh, a lot of people don't rightly divide those truths. And happiness does equate to uh, freedom and liberty, and, and a lot of things, and, uh, you know, financial success equates to that, and uh, really, I believe this, uh, that there's a balance that God wants us to be prosperous, not to look to our prosperity, but use our prosperity, because it's more blessed to give than to receive. How are you going to give if you're not prosperous? Turn your neighbor and say, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You see, how are you going to be more blessed if you're not prosperous enough to give? There's one level of joy that comes from receiving, but there's a far greater level of joy that comes through giving. And I think that that's, that's really a thing that people uh, don't always understand. You know, in the Bible, you know, there's uh, some things, and I'm, I'm going to just digress here. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy 3, 16, 4, 3, 16 through 4, 3. And here's something that, you know, a lot of people come to church and they want, you know, I call it a happy meal, or they want the sermon to make them happy. And they're looking for a church where the sermon just kind of lifts them up or makes them feel happy, and, and, uh, and they, they kind of want that. And that's kind of like a drug, and it's, and it's really not a scriptural idea. Matter of fact, it's almost the opposite of what scripture teaches. How many of you know that in, in Luke... And we're, we're going to divide, we're going to rightly divide. Everybody say, rightly divide. Let me tell you something, so much confusion is done away with when you rightly divide the word of truth. How many of you know the Bible says, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed? Rightly dividing the concepts of Scripture. And not just throwing them all in one big sack, shaking them all out, and shaking them all up and dumping them out, and it's all confused. You've got to rightly divide the word of God. Luke 4 and 18, it says that uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the good news or the gospel to the poor. 
and deliverance to the captive, giving sight to the blind, and preaching the acceptable year. How many of you know for the lost people, we're to preach the gospel? How many of you know gospel means good news? How many of you know we're supposed to be good news preachers? We're supposed to go into all the world and preach good news to lost people. And the good news about what? Well, go into all the world, preach the gospel of every creation. And he that believes shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. One good news is that you can be free from demonic oppression. Cast out devils. And then another one is that they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Another good news is that you don't have to stay sick. You can have faith and believe God and he can change things. How many of you know, another thing about the good news is that you can prosper and you can be changed. How many of you know, when you look at the gospel, the gospel is the answer to everything. The gospel is good news. When you're lost and you're sick and you're broke and you're oppressed by demons and all your relationships are broken and you don't have any love, you don't have any joy, you don't have any peace, you don't have any long-suffering, you don't have any of the fruit of the Spirit, you don't have any friend, and you're lost. How many of you know anything that the Bible promises, almost anything, is good news? It's good news if you're lost. Because you don't have it, you don't know it, you need it, you want it, you don't know how to get it. But if you'll just come to Jesus and give your life to him, it's good news because all that stuff, everybody say, all that stuff is available. So it's good news that Jesus offers that. But then you get into the New Testament and now change directions. We're not talking about lost people, now we're talking about saved people born-again, spirit-filled Christian people. And it's the message isn't necessarily the good news. It isn't evangelism. It's a different message. Because I look into the Bible and I look at something and it's really different what it says, the preaching repertoire, the preaching diet for the believer is. Let's look at it. In 2 Timothy the third chapter, the 16th verse, follow along with me. And it says, all scripture, everybody say all scripture, is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, reproof means like to rebuke you, for correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, and preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. That means, you know, to strongly encourage to do something. Exhort or to draw near with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come where they'll not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, so heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn their ears away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. I don't see an encouraging word in doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, righteousness, sound doctrine, long-suffering doctrine, preaching the word, reproof, rebuke, exhort, all long-suffering. And I, the word encouragement is not in there. The word uplifting is not in there. And all these things. And I thought, well, where's the joy in hearing the preaching to the saint. Because aren't we supposed to have joy? Everybody, everybody believe that God has, for us, he has joy for us? Yes. Don't you think God wants us to be happy in one sense? And I really said, Lord, because I try to follow what you say, and, and, and I look at this, and, and there's a distinct difference between the good news to the lost and the rebuke and the sound doctrine and the correction and the training and pff, all that stuff. Where's the happiness? Where's the uplift? Where's the pep talk? Wow. That's a downer, Pastor Bill. What are, what are we supposed to do with that? Are you just going to leave us there? Why in the world? Uh, would, see, the word isn't supposed to be make, make you happy. It's doing it and the discipline of its transformation on your life that will make you happy. Yes, amen. See, it's... it's let me tell you something. The Word of God, when it's preached in the morning, it isn't a happy meal. It isn't to pep you up and make you have this instant this feeling of good. It's an internal audit to fix you. It's an MRI to go through your body meticulously. This is a parallel. To find out what's wrong 
identify it, isolate it, and begin to fix it. And then you become happy. You know, you can go to the gym, and the guy that's standing there, you know, he's way, way out of shape. He's standing there drinking his malt, watching all the bodybuilders. He's not a happy guy. The bodybuilder's in there, and he's exhausted. He comes walking off, and he's laughing, and he's talking with his buddies. They're having a good time. And then his real pretty girlfriend comes up and greets him, and, and he drives, and, and they're laughing and having a good time, and it's all happy. And he, How many of you know going to the gym didn't make this guy happy? How many of you know going to the gym with his malt in his hand and seeing these other people that are in shape and, and were happy and had, had their nice-looking girlfriend waiting for him or whatever, and, and, and watching the other people be happy? How many of you know that didn't make him happy? You know what? It made him more depressed. But you know what? You know what makes you happy? Is going there and working out and seeing yourself get transformed and changed. Finding out what workout is going to make you into that guy that you look at and you say, I wish I was like that. I wish I had that discipline. I wish I had the results of that discipline is what I really want. I really don't want the discipline, but I do want the results. You know, she said, yeah, Pastor Bill, we sure don't want to discipline. We don't want to go do that. But I want the results. See, we can't go and just hear about it. We can't go and stand in the, in the doorway of the gym and watch all the others work out with them while we're drinking a malt and a Snickers. Oh, yeah, I forgot the Snickers in the other hand, so I <laughs> don't want to forget the Snickers. And, and you're not, you're not going to change. And if you think just going to the gym is going to make you happy, you might go away more depressed. If you want me just to tell you little sweet nothings and, and little laughable, you know, short, cute little sayings and little clever things and, and try to hold you up and, and get you happy, it'd be like me trying to get the guy at the gym happy who's sitting there drinking his malt, and he, he refuses to eat right. He refuses to work out. He refuses to do the things that he sees causes those guys that come walking out of the gym that are in great shape, and, and people are, are liking them, and, and they have all these great relationships, and they, they're happy, they feel good about themselves, and, and all this. And, and they, I can't make him happy. The trainer, if I'm a trainer, I can't make him happy. I can take him to the gym. I can give him the perfect workout. I can introduce him to all the different exercises, all the pieces of equipment. I can pay for his membership. But none of that's going to make him happy. Somebody say, amen. Am am I wrong? Is this true? Are we stumbling upon something true this morning? I can get people to come to church. We can provide a beautiful building. We can take care of their kids downstairs. We can give them all kinds of activities. We can have good music. We can provide good information and and announcements and men's events and and retreats and fun and good stuff. But you'll never get happy until you introduce yourself to a thing called discipline. It's different than what you think. True happiness will come when we begin to do what the Word of God says. Because it's different, the good news to the lost is our opportunity to introduce people to this. But even they, when they come inside the door of the ark and are saved, they'll be saved, but they won't be happy until they become a disciple. The result and the change and the wisdom and the correction and the perfecting and the equipping makes us happy. Because how is it that the Bible teaches that when you preach, you preach Reproof, rebuke, correction, long-suffering, enduring doctrine. Boy, none of that sounds like happy news to me. But then, in another place, in the does the Bible lie and contradict itself? No. But then it says, that the fruit of the Spirit, or walking in this life of re- reading the Word and living the Word, produces joy, peace. Long-suffering, I can handle anything because my happiness will always outweigh the suffering of long-sufferingness. And my joy will conquer any bad thing that happens. My happiness and my, my love for God will conquer 
these things that are difficult in my life. See, this is why there's two unhappy people for every happy one. Probably about the ratio of true Christians in America. See, most people are unhappy. Most people don't want to do what it takes to be happy. But how many of you want happiness this morning? Anybody want happiness? Anybody like being depressed? Oh, the hands went down. I don't like being depressed. I don't like not being happy. I like being happy. But I also know there's not shortcuts. Let me give you just some juxtapositions of the way people think about happiness. The world has a completely different view of happiness. The Greek word happy is makarios. And it means to be blessed and happy. That was real deep, wasn't it? Well, the big difference is, is how it's obtained. The common world of view is self-gratification. I'm all in it to make me happy. Materialism. Things make me happy. Instant, temporal. Right now, I want to be happy. Give it to me and give it to me now. How many of you know that's the way the world thinks? Self, material, now. And don't take it away from me or I'll throw a fit. That's the way the world is. And they think that that's going to bring them to this thing called happiness. They, and prosperity, and lots of, pro, the more prosperous people. Did you know, I'm going to tell you something. Did you know the United States of America is by far the most prosperous nation in the world? And did you know in, in that article, and I read some other articles on happiness, that the United States of America, when surveyed, is the most unhappy nation in the world? That's pretty bad. When we got way more than everybody else, we got it way easier than everybody else. We get it quicker than anybody else. We have it our way more than anybody else. Wow. See, money can't buy happiness. The Bible doesn't say true prosperity makes you happy. It says that you should prosper to make others happy and to bless other people. Let's, how many of you want to look at the biblical causes of happiness this morning? Let's look at some biblical causes of happiness and juxtapose them against the world's ideas of happiness. And we're going to start out in uh, this one. One idea, the world, if I could just be popular, liked and accepted by others, I would be happy. You know any people like that? They want to be popular. You know any teenagers like that that really want to be popular? Young people especially, they think that being popular, being accepted, well, peer pressure, I can't help it. I don't want to not be liked, mom and dad. How many of you people cave into peer pressure every day? Not just teenagers at school, but a lot of people, adults at work. Peer pressure causes a lot of people to do a lot of foolish things. Well, you know, Hollywood is full of suicidal and, and drug-addicted people. But how many of you know they're pretty popular? How many of you know they're pretty accepted in the culture? How many they're pretty looked up to? 1 Peter 4.14, let's, 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 let's burst that bubble, that false way of thinking, and let's go to the Word and find out what it says. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Oh, we're going we're, we're to turn our brain upside down and get biblical this morning. Is that all right? Can we still preach the Bible in church in America here? Can we still look to the Word of God to find out what truth really is? Can we do that? Will you allow me? Will you permit me to do that this morning? Okay. 1 Peter 4.14. Let me read it again in case that just like you're having to pick yourself up. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Not some deep spiritual joy, abiding joy. No, happy. Happy, happy, happy. (laughs) If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. You know, I'm happy when Jesus gets glorified. A man stood up in our county convention yesterday and started spouting off about America was not a Christian country. It was not 
founded on Christian principles. I got so mad. I couldn't hardly talk when I got up there. And usually I don't have a problem with that. I was mad. I go, how dare he come into my church and say that? It's God's church, but God put me as the steward over this particular body. So don't get weirded out when I say my church. Mine in stewardship, not ownership. And he comes in here and he says these things. I'm like, how dare you? What do you think you're doing? Talking against God. And I believe this. See, it's not the reproach that should, you know, we're reproached and we're to be happy when we're reproached. It's not the reproach that we need to be, it's like it, that we're bringing glory on, to, on, to Jesus and glory upon ourselves when we are reproached. We are reproached for his name. Amen. So, being reproached instead of being popular can make you happy. Number one. Let's go on to number two. Well, if I could just... Go ahead and turn. This is right over 1 Peter 3.14. This is just uh, a couple pages back. 3.14. And it says this. If, let me say this. If I could just be comfortable in life, I'd be happy. You know, my life's a hassle. I got to get up early in the morning. I, gotta, I work till late at night. My kids are, you know, over here doing this. And, and, and people don't like me. And, and if I could just be more comfortable. And I live in this little shack of a house. And, and I drive this junky car. And, and I, I just tell you, if I, if I could just have a comfortable life like those people who live down the street that drive that really nice car, live in that nice house. And, man, they, I don't, they probably work 40 hours. They probably get up at 8 o'clock, and it's 9 to 5, and, and they get their weekends off, and, and they have such a comfortable... If I could just have the comfort, comfortable life, the good life, like they have it, I would be happy. Let's test that against the Word. Let's test that against the Word. Because the Bible teaches something very different. First Peter 3.14. And it says this. Looked at the wrong side of the page. But if you suffer, everybody say suffer. <laughs> Pastor, I'm, I don't know if I can stay for this sermon. <laughs> but if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. <laughs> happy, happy, happy. Okay, Lord. But if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror. Neither be troubled. Did you know, but, and a lot of people don't, that you can suffer, and if it's for righteousness sake, it can make you happy? You know, I've suffered, and I've had people talk against me. I've had people do things. I've had uh, different things that I didn't want to do. And, but in the big picture, how I many you know big picture happiness is better than little tiny bites of happiness once in a while? I'd rather have an overarching life of happiness than a few happy moments of instant self-gratification. See, worldly thinking says, I got to get it, what I want, now. It's got to be material, it's got to be now, it's got to be about me. Forsake that. That that is like thinking that you're going to feel good by eating sugar. Sugar and caffeine will take you up only to drop you off. Quick fix happiness will take you up, but only to drop you off and make you even more miserable than when you started. It's just like a drug. The world is so deceived about happiness. The church, by and large, is so deceived about happiness. They run to a big church where they've got a life coach that gives pep talks. And they, oh, we, I was happy while I was there. I, he got me so excited. But my life's miserable when I'm not there. I would rather be a little bit smitten and stricken through in the church service and live a happy life than go to have a happy meal and miserable the rest of the time. See, because he'll lie to you and tell you, well, you know, just come here and, and I'll tell you what you want to hear. And oh my gosh, it's euphoric. I can hardly wait to come back next week because I'm miserable all during the week. Because he's not teaching you discipline. He's not teaching you the things that will cause you to make yourself happy through the disciplined life of 
reproof, rebuke, long-suffering, sound doctrine, all those heavy things, all those discipline things that none of us want to hear, but are the only things that really give you true happiness over the long haul. The only things that really change you and challenge you, the only things that are a real probe and internal audit of your life so it can get fixed, the only things that are really an MRI of your life that the word reaches right down in and surgically takes it out and you go, ow, I don't know if I liked what you just said, Pastor Bill. But you know what? It's perfecting you. It's equipping you. It's transforming you. And who would have believed that being rejected, being reproached, could make you happy? Who would have believed that suffering could make you happy? Who would believe that? You try to sell that to the world, they're, they're going to laugh in your face. But how many of you know that his ways are higher than our ways? And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And if they knew it, then why, my question to them is, then why aren't you all happy out there? Why is there two miserable people for every one happy one? If the ways of the world really work. But they don't. They leave you empty. They leave you abandoned, confused, depressed, self-loathing. Our suffering brings happiness when we realize who it really exalts and who it is that really suffered for us. Number three, let's look at another idea that the world has. If I could just be understood, I'd be happy. My, my kids don't understand me. My boss doesn't understand me. My wife doesn't understand me. If I could just be understood, if people could just realize who I really am, if people would just know who I am and understand me, uh, I would feel so much better about myself. I would be so much happier And yet, so many people spend their whole life about being understood. But that's a life about me. How many of you know when it's a life about me and everybody understanding me, and it's all about me, and I want you to understand my needs, who I am, uh, what it is that I want in life, how many of you know that's a world centered around you? How many of you know that won't make you happy? That doesn't make you happy. Sorry. Sorry. That doesn't make you happy. Look what Paul said in Acts 26 and 2. I think myself happy. Sounds like, like Shakespeare. I think myself. <laughs> I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews. The Jews did not understand Paul. They did not understand how the great persecutor of Christians could suddenly overnight become the most, of the, the most committed of the Christians. How many of you know he was not understanding? The Jews hated him after that. The Jews wanted to kill him. How could you be our greatest betrayer? You were our greatest champion. How dare you of all people turn against us and become one of those despicable Christians that say that we're wrong and we don't know our own Bible and our own Savior. How arrogant are you, Paul? And they want to throw him in, and there he is, Agrippa's got him, and he's a, he's a secular guy. and He's saying this, I think myself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I'm accused of the Jews. When everybody's falsely accusing you, how many of you know, generally speaking, you don't think that that makes you happy? I don't know about you, but I don't like to be falsely accused. I wrote some articles in the paper, took it, and they turned it all around. I was so mad because I, I was just falsely quoted, not falsely accused. I don't even like being falsely quoted, much less falsely accused. But Paul said, I think myself happy. Wow. And because he was willing to be misunderstood so that he might understand God. 
How many of you know if you understand God and you've got a renewed mind and your ways start becoming higher than man's ways and your thoughts start becoming higher than man's thoughts because you've renewed your mind and now you have the mind of Christ, which is things higher than our ways and whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And when you start talking on the mind of Christ, how many of you know more and more people are not going to understand you? More and more people are not going to understand why you live your life the way you do. Because you've got a renewed mind. And you don't think like the world. Thank God you don't. And thank God to other people that are worldly and don't have a renewed mind. They're in darkness. They're confused. They're the blind leading the blind. No, I don't want to be understood by those people. I want to be understood by God and I want to be able to understand God. And I want to have a renewed mind. And I I can be happy when the world thinks I'm crazy because I know I'm the only one that isn't crazy. If I've got a renewed mind. And I, I can get happy. Happy, happy, happy. No wonder Phil says that. I think he's got a renewed mind. He's a pretty cool guy. I kind of like him. I, you know, he, he's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Lives in a double-wide trailer out back. Dude, he, for some reason, he doesn't need a lot of fancy to be happy. Kind of like him. He's pretty cool. But the world, if I could just be understood, Paul was happy. He was accused of things. He was, and when it says accused, he was falsely accused. You've you got to remember that. See, in him we live and move and have our being. See, Happiness is not necessarily in the relationship with other people, but it's in our relationship to God. In him, we live and move and have our being. In him, we find our happiness. In him, we have joy and meaningful uh, understanding of ourself. Let's go on to another one, number four. You're happy when the Lord tells you that you're doing a a good job. Let's just, you know, the world wouldn't say the Lord, but let's just say if you're in the world, you're happy when somebody tells you you're doing a good job. You're happy when you have in that, that big 1990s word there, but he used affirmation. That really got real popular there for a while. And I feel affirmed. I'm happy when I'm affirmed, and I have affirmation. And, and, and everybody was using that word, overusing it for quite a bit, and uh, for, you know, for quite a few years there. And it was all about being affirmed and, and affirmation, and, and that, that makes me happy. And and I, and I think, you know, if I could just be affirmed, if, if you just let me know I'm doing good, if you just, you know, pat me on the back a little more, if you would just give me uh, some, some kudos and, 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 and make me feel good about myself, I, I, I could be happy. And, and, but poor old Job said this. Turn with me to Job 5 and 17. Job says, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Boy, that just spoil your day unless you understand why God wants to correct you. How many of you know God wants you to be made better and better and better? Yes. God's not correcting you out of some weird, insecure, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm going to correct you. No, God is, you're my child, I love you so much, I want you to be perfect like me. And I'm just correcting you only because I love you so much that I don't dare leave you doing this wrong thing because this wrong thing that you're doing is going to have repercussions. And you're going to have to reap some bad things you're sowing if you don't stop doing that. How many of you know a good parent is like that? How many of you don't want to see your kids doing the wrong thing? Because if you keep doing the wrong thing, you'll see your kids keep having the wrong results. And I don't want my kids to have wrong results. I already had enough of those in my life. Hopefully I can teach them something out of all my mistakes. Amen? And happy... (laughs) Behold, it says behold, that, there's a reason why it says that. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore, despise not the chastisement of the Almighty. And you know how God corrects us? Through me preaching the word to you. Through me listening to other preachers preach the word to me. You studying the Bible on your own. Me studying the Bible on my own. And looking into the word and say, oops, I'm not doing that, am I, Lord? Correction. And you know, you're not happy until you correct it and get in line. Again, it's not hearing the word that will make you happy. 
So many people are confused on this. I go to church to hear the word to get happy. No, you go to church to be corrected by the word so you can start doing it. Then you become happy. You're leaving one step out. You want to get happy, so you go to church. And church, I mean, granted, it doesn't, I mean, there's fellowship there. It does make you feel better. Uh, There's beautiful songs there. It makes you feel better. And there's encouraging things that get spoken out of the word to some degree that, that better. But for the most part, the, if, if you're not going to a place, a church, that challenges you, you're going to have a false sense of happiness, and you can't get happy because you're not changing. If there isn't a provoking you to do the word, if there isn't something that causes you to say, ouch, I need to change, then you will never become happy. You will stay the same all your life. Pastor Bill, you know, that comment about you know, the cards, you know, that, that was out of line. Well, you know, you should be handing the cards out. That didn't make me happy when you confronted us on that. You don't make you happy when you go give somebody a card and invite them to church. Come on, somebody say amen. Oh, now you're really meddling with us. I'm like... I, I, I'll tell you what, Paul said, if you know not how to raise your own house, how can you rule the house? The way I rule my house is the way I rule the church of God as a pastor. And let me tell you something. I've got happy kids. All my kids are serving God. All my kids are happy. All my kids are productive. How about yours? How about yours? Let me tell you something. It works when you confront and you say, these things are important. We need to do them. See, a lot of, a lot of people that, no conflict, no conflict, no conflict. The word of God is a conflict. The Bible says the gospel is an offense to those who are perishing. The only way we get fixed is to offend our flesh. The only way we get fixed is to offend our flesh and to confront it. Call it out. Draw the line. Say, flesh, today you die. I'm taking you down a road called the Via Della Rosa, and there's a cross on your back, and we're going to crucify you when we get to the location. I mean, Jesus said we're to carry our cross. Well, where do you suppose we're carrying our cross to? (laughs) The beach? The place of crucifixion. See, we have to confront those things, amen? Amen. I need louder amens today. Because this is pretty scary stuff to preach, let me tell you. But I want you to be happy. How many want to go on a happy journey with, with their pastor? Let's go on a journey. Let's really do this stuff. Let's really see if it really works. How many want to do that? How many would be willing to see if it really works? How many will honor God and, and, and check his word out and do it? Let's be very Berean. Let's, let's, follow, let's see if his word really works. Let's really read it. Let's really do it. Let's really be Berean today. Let's honor God's word. Let's find out that happiness really comes from things that we didn't think it came from. Being reproached. Who cares? Get happy about it. Not being popular. Who cares? Let's be happy about it. Not being understood by the people who work. Who cares? Get happy about it. Amen. Having somebody or something, or Bible or preacher or me or, or some more mature person of faith correct you. Who cares? Get happy about it. Because you know what? It's all making you better. Amen. It's all getting you straightened out. It's an internal audit showing you where your books are a little bit off and you need to straighten it up. Amen? The word is literally like an internal audit showing us what needs to be fixed. It isn't a condemnation. How many of you know these things are not condemnations? Now, if, they, if it condemned us to hell, I'd be, I don't think any of us would be very happy. But if it's destining us to a better life as a result of our change taking us down the better path to a better life because we respond correctly to the correction, then we can get happy about that. Amen. I hope I'm not, I hope this is making sense to y'all. 
You know, in our drive-through culture, our microwave instant coffee culture, we're very unhappy, we're very selfish. You know, the road rage culture, and I've had people, how many of you ever pulled out in front of somebody in the last five years? How many of you have people speed up like they're going to hit you? And hopefully you're not saying, yeah, and one of them was you, Pastor. (laughs) I try not to do that. I try not to be that way in my car. But I do get a little irritated with people. But, But how many of you notice how aggressive people are today? You know what that means? They're not happy. They're mad about something. And they're going to take it out on their first knucklehead that provokes them. There's so, there's so many people like that. It's all about me. Here's another one. And the world says, you know, and our, and our culture teaches us, you know, don't have more than maybe one or two kids. It's not good to have very many kids. You need your space. You need your expression. You need your time to yourself. You'd be happy when you don't have to take care of these kids anymore. I can only wait till the day when I have my life back. I'll be glad when I have to get up three times a night and feed this thing. I mean, kids rank lower than the dog. It's, 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 it's culturally cool to walk around with your dog, but you bring in four or five kids, screaming kids in, into a restaurant, they all look at it like, like you, they need to cast the devil out of you. Like, don't bring those things in here. What are you doing? I remember we had four kids, people look at us like, Almost, you can read their mind, like, you bunch of hillbillies, what are you doing having four kids? Don't you know everybody's supposed to have two? <laughs> to the point where the culture makes you feel guilty. Like, there's not enough food in the world. And, and you just, by having that extra kid, you just made one of those kids over in Ethiopia starve. One of those kids is taking up my clean air, you know, my carbon footprint is, 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 you know, is being taken up by one of your kids. It's not hip to have a big family anymore. Now it's hip to be single, but very sexually active. We don't want kids. And, and let me tell you something, maybe you older people... Older people my age, you know. Our age, we, we, what are you talking about, Pastor? Let me tell you something, there's a, there's a thing with younger people where I don't know if I want to have kids. There's a lot of that. But the Bible says in Psalms 127.5, happy is he whose quiver or whose household is full of children. Children are a blessing and a heritage of the Lord. And blessed and happy. Everybody say, and happy is he whose quiver is full. Well, I'm not happy because I don't have any time for me. Let me tell you something. That's not a short-term plan for happiness. Oh, there's some unhappy nights when the kids are crying all night, they've been sick all week, and you, you feel like you haven't had any time to yourself for six months. And, and, but let me tell you something. Happiness should not be understood in small increments. Happiness is when you raise this family. And they grow up and they come back and start blessing you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Happiness is not the modern idea of, I'll put up with one or two of those kids until I can finally get them out of that. I've had Christians tell me, I was so glad when my kids were gone. I go, really? You know, I can't even wrap my brain around that. I was so sad when my kids left. Couldn't control my emotions. It's like, wow, can't, can't believe it's that time, you know. Can hardly wait to go see them. Amen? Isn't that the way Christians should be? Happiness comes from having a lot of kids. See, the world has all these ideas. But we better get back to the biblical ideas or we're going to lose our mind. Because Christians can't be happy the way the world thinks you get happy. Christians better get the guidebook and find out, uh, you know, the, the, the manual, the owner's manual, and find out what makes us happy.
more transcendent, eternal, deeper and profound things will make you happy. Don't start searching after the things of the world. The world will make you unhappy. The world will make you more sad than you've ever been. Trying to follow its ways of doing things will make you more miserable than you've ever been. So happiness is a lot of things we don't think it is. And especially I want, I, I want to encourage you today. You know, and Genesis said, be fruitful and multiply. The first thing God said to a man and woman is, have a bunch of kids. Yeah. And if God said, if that's the first thing he uttered to mankind, you might want to have some kids. Some of you, it's too late. That's all right. You've already had a lot of kids. Praise God. The Lord desires godly seed. <laughs> then last one. The world, I would be happy if I knew the love of God. If I could just feel how much God loved me and how special I am to him and how I'm the apple of his eyes. If I could just, if I could just know the love, if I could just feel the love, if I could just, oh, if I, you know. It, it, see, we keep getting it wrong because we keep trying to make it about us. What you're going to find out in every one of these things that I've mentioned is happy doesn't come when it's about me. Happiness never occurs when it's about me. A lot of people want to feel the love of God, and and of course we do. And God's already shown his love. And you know how you'll begin to feel it? By fearing him. Turn with me to Proverbs 28, 14. I I want to feel the love of God. How come I can't feel the love of God? Why The Bible says he loves me, and, and I know that it... You know, all these other Christians say that he loves me, and when they counsel me, he says, you need to just know that God loves you, and, and I, 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 I like doing anything I want to do in life. I want to go live like, you know, the world. I want to think like the world. I want to act like the world, but I want to feel God's love. I want to feel God's love. Okay? Proverbs twenty-eight fourteen says this. Happy is the man that feareth always. Your happiness will come from your fear of the Lord, not your feeling loved by the Lord. Because when you fear the Lord, he'll make himself manifest to you and you'll begin to know his love. See, it's like so many things. Well, I want to eat of the good of the land. I want to eat of the good of the land. But the Bible says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat of the good of the land. See, what we want to do in America is, is skip out on all of our responsibilities and then put a demand on God on his promises. We want to have happy by hearing the sermon, but we don't want to do the sermon. We want to be happy in, in the relationship, uh, but we don't want to be corrected so we can make ourselves fit to be in relationship with him. Can I get an amen? We, we, we want to feel his love, but we don't want to be postured in a way that when we fear him, and we can have a relationship with him, because that's the way you have a relationship with him is by fearing him, that, that then you can feel his love. See, we, we want to hear it and not do it, but get all the benefits from it. But when we hear it and we begin to do it, and it begins to change us, and the internal audit reveals to us what we need to change, and the word begins to show us how we can change, then we'll start getting the desired results that we want, and we'll start being happy, happy, happy. But see, if we just want to... No, I, see, I pass, I want to go there... And, well, you know, we pay you to make us happy. No, that's a comedy club. Yeah, right. Come on. Wrong door. That's down the street someplace. Got in the wrong door here. No, that, that, that's a comedy club. But what I can do is I can show you what the word says that you can do that will make you happy. I, if I go to the gym and say, okay, I paid for a membership at this gym, and I'm going to sit here and drink this malt and eat this Snickers, and why aren't I getting happy about it? Why aren't I getting in shape? No, no, that's a movie theater. That's down the road. It'll give you all the fantasies you want. But a gym is a real place where you got to do real things to get real results. See, that's the difference between churches today. There's some churches that give you a little happy on Sunday morning and try to get you through to the next week. But I'd rather get you really strong on Sunday morning so you'll be happy all the rest of the week. Because you're actually doing what the word of God says. Somebody say amen. Amen. Come on now. We all all got to realize that there are ways that God's word tells us to do things. 
And we can't just be observers. It says, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, deceiving your own self. Let's stand up this morning. Amen. We, we, we're going to, uh, downstairs we've got the fundraiser this morning. I hope you all stay. We're, I'm going to let you out a little bit early so we can get down there and, and get uh, to, I hope the food's done. I hope they're ready for us. I'm getting in trouble. Anybody get anything out of this this morning? Let's bow our head. And let's, let's, think, let's do a confession today, too. Like we're, gonna, we're not going to just pray and close. We're going to confess some things. How many, will, will you confess with me some things this morning? Yes, amen. amen. You know, how many of you have, let me just do a little survey. How many of you have realized that these things are true already? And this just confirms yeah. it. How many have even found this out somewhat uh, to be true just through things that you've done in the world, that, 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 that those things don't make you happy? It's the real, the disciplines in life that make you happy. So, so how many of you believe what I said this morning? You see the truth in that. See, that doesn't make it any easier to do, though. And you know what? I'm anointed to preach it, but I'm not, I'm not anointed to do it any more than you are. We all have to bring ourselves into discipline. And that's not fun and that's not easy. But let me tell you, it's rewarding. And it will bring lasting and enduring happiness in your life. Let's, let's pray. And let's, or let's just do some confessions. Just, just close your eyes, lift your hands towards God, and just say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I seek you, not happiness. And in doing so, I do find happiness. Because when I put you first, and I seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added unto me. And Father, I endeavor to be a doer of the word, and not just a hearer. And you said this, that I would be blessed in my doing. And Father, I believe that happiness does not come from hearing. But happiness comes from doing your word. And Father, I believe that I have got a happy life. That my life is going to continue with joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. And I'll bring happiness with me wherever I go because it's deep inside me and I thank you for it in Jesus name